I think one could say that I'm one of the procurement veterans. I started programming back when I was 11 years old, so I started quite early. My father brought home a computer from work and didn't really know what to do with it, and uh, he gave it to me so that I could experiment, and this is what I did, and I found it so exciting back then, and uh, was able to solve you know, some riddles and problems with it, and I was just so fascinated. Welcome to the Beyond Sourcing podcast, a podcast series brought to you by SAP about procurement leaders, procurement pioneers, and their stories behind the transformation and the movements they were behind, Beyond Sourcing. My name is Tamara Braun, Chief Customer Officer, SAP Intelligence Band and Business Network for the region Middle and Eastern Europe. Today I'm excited to have Alexander Graf with me. Alex is the Head of Corporate Business at Schweizer. He is responsible for Schweizer's strategy towards customers in the corporate world. His background is both software development and sales. And he has been working in the e-procurement industry for more than 20 years now. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, Alexander. I'm super excited having you in our podcast session today. We had a quite long summer break, so I'm happy that we continue with our Beyond Sourcing podcast. And I can tell our audience a little bit of secret that you are a little bit in a summer break still. The recording with you today is you are on a boat in the eastern part of Germany. I'm at home in the home office and I'm super excited, Alexander, having you in the podcast. Thanks a lot for spending the time with us today. Thank you, Tamara, for, for having me. Yes, indeed, I am on a boat. I extended the season a bit. Um, I... I would like not to call it a, a summer break because I told my boss I was actually working on the boat. Um, so in case um, he's listening, yes, I am. I am uh, working on the boat uh, during the season and uh, it will be um, still until the end of October that I'm here. Yeah, that's really exciting. That's a kind of home office. It, it, it is. It is a, a boat <laughs> office, yes. <laughs> yeah, a boat office. That's great. Uh, Alexander, you have an amazing track record in in the entire uh, procurement, but as well software development area. And I would like to share with our audience today a little bit where you are coming from. So where, where are your roots? Uh, how have you started? What have you brought maybe to the software development? What were your first uh, excitements you made in, in this way. So happy to listen to you. Okay, yeah. Actually, I, I think I think one could say that I'm, you know, one of the procurement veterans. Um, I started programming um, back uh, when I was um, 11 years old. So I started quite, quite early. My father brought home a, a computer from, from work and didn't really know what to do with it. And uh, He gave it to me so that I could experiment, and this is what I what I did, and I found it uh, so exciting back then, and uh, was able to to solve you know some 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 riddles and, and problems with it, and I was just so fascinated, and um, so I yeah I started to to learn how to program in, in different languages, and uh, 
eventually I did uh, uh, create and, and, and sell my first software, which actually was a quite a tiny ERP for quite a tiny company. I, I wrote the software and, and sold it when I was uh, 16. Back then, I thought I could become wow. the, the next Bill Gates, which apparently did not happen. But, but I, uh, yeah, I, I started to to uh, to program and, and develop software quite early. And um, later on, uh, one of my projects was to uh, create um, a, a web shop for books for a pharmaceutical company that wanted to uh, to buy professional books. Uh, scientific books of a, a bookseller that they worked with and they wanted to do it uh, with um, a web shop that was customized for them and placed in their in their intranet and um, wow amazing amazing alexander so really starting with 11 years i can imagine at this time so there was maybe a basic the the language you you developed uh, on i can imagine and then already with 16 selling the first products and then can you remember the year maybe when you started for this pharmaceutical uh, company to build up a, a web shop because i would say you said you would like to become the, the bill gates but but this sounds to me a little bit you are the front runner before <laughs> bezos came in with with, with amazon uh, uh, well, well it's, it's a bit too much but yeah indeed it was um uh, it was about 2000, um, you know, that we that we started, and this was the, the time when Amazon came about. Um, so when when Amazon had their first, uh, I don't know exactly when they started, whether it was 98, 99, or or, or 2000, but but this was the time when we started um, building this um, um, this company and this uh, internet web shop for books. Back then, yeah, and it was the time when Amazon um, just just started. So this was um, interesting. Well, apparently, Amazon grew much larger than than we did, but nevertheless, uh, this became a business. So we sold this technology and we sold this web shop to to other um, companies, especially the ones with scientific libraries, and um, and this um, yeah actually became a um, yeah, became a significant um, business and. Um, yeah, eventually I ended up at the company that I work for now. Wow, that's interesting. And Alexander, allow me one one more question. Uh, in the early 2000s, a company decided really to, yeah, let me say, bring a kind of e-library already into place. Do you know what was the rationale behind from the company? Have they had simply too many books which were not reachable for the people? Or do, can you remember back what was their really idea to have this in place? Um, so... Well, well, there were um, yeah, a couple of steps in this, in this process. Um, once was a... Uh, the, the first was a um, a digital library for for printed books. So a system that told the users uh, when they when they were searching uh, for a book, um, the system told the users um, whether this book has already been bought by their colleagues, whether it was already present in a corporate library, and so whether they uh, would not have to uh, to buy it again, but could get it from their um, colleagues or out of the uh, the corporate library, and. Um, Many many years, or a couple, yeah, many years actually um, after this, um, 
uh, yeah, digital uh, digital uh, books came about. It's right. So we started with this um, in two thousand seven, late two thousand seven, um, providing companies with a completely digital library. So where all, also the books themselves were digital. Reason for this was uh, companies started to work in in global teams, in teams that were spread across countries, um, across multiple cities, multiple continents sometimes. And so corporate libraries with printed books in them just didn't make so much sense anymore um, because, uh, well, you, you would know that the company uh, that the book would be in one city in Germany, but you were working uh, out of the U.S. or on a boat, maybe I don't know. Uh, so you were working, uh, you were working elsewhere, and you you just couldn't get it. So this is when we started to provide companies with a completely digital library, and and uh, and this became. Uh, a really good thing because uh, now uh, companies that, that use this system, they buy, you know, users from one country would buy a specific book that they need um, for their job in order to, to, to make the right decisions or to, to look up something. And then um, colleagues in, in other countries and other continents dealing with the same problem, asking the same questions, they would, uh, they would see that their colleagues have uh, bought this book and can instantly use it, so can can share the same content. Uh, so this obviously is a cost advantage. Uh, but on the other side, they also see what their colleagues used to to look up certain information. So they really share knowledge and they share uh, the assets worldwide. And so people from you know across the world use the same library. This is um, quite an interesting story indeed. And it's really cool. And when you explain it, Alexander, then it seems very easy. It seems you, you went there, you talked about the idea, and you established it. I can imagine that at at this early stage, so if I remember right, so when we are talking about e-procurement, it starts maybe 2000, 2002. But uh, when, when you reached this in, in such an early stage, Which resist did you get from uh, the end user, for example? This was interesting. Users at first were when when eProcurement was introduced. So so we started with uh, highly customized web shops that we provided to uh, to our customers, each featuring their own uh, procurement and approval and invoicing workflows. Um, so after this, um, in 2002 to say 2004. The e-procurement systems uh, came about, and we would connect our web shops to the um, to the e-procurement um, systems of our customers. So they had the same approval workflow and the same invoicing and ordering workflow for all of their suppliers' web shops. So this was the next big steps connecting those individual um, web shops to the unified um, e-procurement platforms. And um, the resistance we got or the reluctance uh, from the, the users we, we got was uh, mainly because users were just not used to, to order um, electronically or order using a digital system. They wanted to speak to humans. They wanted to, to pick up the phone. There were times when... Uh, suppliers like MRO suppliers, for instance, they would actually walk around the plants to talk to the, the workers what tools they would need and what materials they would need, and then they would, you know, write up a list and then and then send it to them or bring a box with them and say, 
take out whatever you need, and then we invoice you afterwards. And um, so ordering in a digital world just completely uh, completely changed uh, the processes and, and changed the, the, the user, user uh, behavior. And then, and yeah. that's interesting. Sorry, sorry, Alexander, that I interrupt you. Sorry, because you you mentioned something which is super super important. You said it is changing the process, and and I believe this is an amazing accelerator for bringing this into place, and and that's uh, going along the entire value chain of digitization that you say. You are changing processes. You are setting standards, and and that's really a big, big benefit. I personally see standards is a standards is a big thing. Um, where back then it was all about customizing, or when we started, it was all about customizing. Every company wanted to uh, to get their own workflow, and every company wanted to get uh, our systems customized to their individual workflow, and. Um, uh, so w what they tried to do was uh, get their old processes or get their human processes or their manual processes in the digital world, just one-to-one. -one. And um, and they did not think about uh, giving the advantages of uh, you know digital processes, how the, the original processes could actually be changed and, and, and simplified because of the new uh, potential that, uh, uh, that you had. So... Um, so uh, one thing that's happened that, that um, we realized that um, if you have a good standard, if you have a good standard process, um, then then you uh, you don't need to uh, you don't need to customize uh, systems as as much, um, and and so we we started to offer standardized processes. Um, so not only systems but standardized processes, which help to simplify. Um, Get the the products, which in in uh, in our case are information products. Uh, get the the products, the right products to, to the right people in the right way and quickly and at the right um, price. And yeah, go, go, go ahead. Yeah, and I I find it really interesting because. Uh, when you start early, you have this resistance, you have the reluctance. And now, a couple of years later, I, when I talk to employees, to customers, to suppliers, everyone would like to have this Amazon shopping feeling. So meanwhile, I have the feeling that this uh, digital shopping experience is really a must. And uh, as better it is, as more happy Yes, the, the end user is. So that's an amazing development in these years. This was indeed this was indeed a, a major change, which uh, I think not everybody expected. So we were fighting reluctance. We were fighting user reluctance, users that wanted to uh, talk to, um, uh, to somebody in person. In fact, funny story, um, we set up a, an e-procurement uh, system to buy books, subscriptions, databases, and so on and so forth with uh, quite a large uh, company. And um, and then somebody called me uh, personally and asked, um, I hear that you are the, um, the e-procurement uh, guy in your company. And I said, yeah, I sure am. And um, how can I help you with? And he said, well, I want to do some e-procurement with you. And I said, okay, so go ahead. And then he um, he listed numbers to me 
and I and I and I said, you know, you're, you're listing SQ identifiers uh, to to me. So so what what should I do with them? And then he said, I'm just placing an order. So he called me. He called he, he wanted to do e procurement. So he called me and, uh, and 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 listed some some SKUs, some some product identifiers to me, and uh, and, and and this was the order he wanted to place. And then uh, he, then he then he hung up. <laughs> and uh, so this was, and it was. It, it really was not. It really was not a joke. He, he said who he was, what the invoicing address would be, and um, and he thought that this was the place at, uh, how to place an order. So users uh, wanted to talk to to humans uh, th- directly, and we were reluctant to use the, uh, the the e-procurement system. And we really needed to educate them to go to their computer and open up the e-procurement platform, search for the items, put them in the basket, and get the order through. Now, um, whilst we were doing this, a new generation started to uh, to start their jobs. People that were much much younger, and um, and they um, and they started uh, to use uh, well, they started to use Amazon at work, for instance, because this is what they were used to to uh, to at home, and um, and then they were told, no, you got to use our our e procurement system, and then they would complain. Because it was not as easy and comfortable to use as the B two C systems that they were used to, and it was not as you know funny and fancy looking. Uh, it was more complicated to use, more steps involved, and um, and well, in one thing they were not right because it is not your own money that you're spending; it's the company's money. So the processes need to be a bit different. You need to have some approval, which you which you don't need if you order an item just for yourself. So, um, but uh, but we realized that the the process compared to what was going on in the B two C world was much too complicated, much too regulated. Um, I had a project with a with a large bank in, in in Switzerland, and we experienced some reluctance by young users to use the system. And then we um, we identified uh, the number of clicks that were that were needed to um, uh, to place an order, and um, and it was just too large. And then they they showed me their quick guide that they uh, that they gave to users. And the quick guide was a PowerPoint presentation about ninety slides long. This was the quick guide on how to place an order, and 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 so um, so the focus dramatically changed to uh, f- uh, to user experience, um, to use uh, um, uh, yeah the ease of use and um, the simplicity uh, uh, of use. And this is what we are dealing with now. So we are not dealing with uh, people anymore that, that don't want to, to order uh, uh, electronically, but rather um, the uh, people have a very high demand and very high expectation when it comes to user to user experience. It's got to be simple. It's got to be um, not customized for the company, but personalized for them. They expect the system to know who they are they expect. Uh, they expect if they type in a certain title which has multiple meanings. They expect the system to show uh, the title that is most likely to fit because of their role. Well, everything that the B two C systems that we now know do, just you know, enter you know, do a Google search and it will be you know customized to who you are, where you where you are, and this is the same thing that uh, that people now expect from the the system. So. Traumatic change from being reluctant to use digital systems at all to being in high demand and high expectations of how those systems uh, should uh, should perform. 
and and how do how yeah. does it and, look like? And Alexander, I know, I know that you and Schweizer you made significant steps in this area. Really, exactly what you said from these uh, early stages uh, where the end user was struggling how to use this new digital world till now where we have definitely younger generations demand is different. And you mentioned um, one thing uh, during the last sentence that you said, yeah, you focused on learning. So I can imagine these are big change management projects as uh, as well. Have you brought a kind of uh, curriculum in place or did you say, hey, learn it on your on your own? Or how much were you and Schweizer involved in these change management? Well, now it is the simpler part to connect a system to the customer's systems, to the customer's processes. This is the easy part, you know, given the business networks that we have. So it's become much easier to connect with the customer. Um, be, before that, so a couple of years back, it will all, would all be one-to-one project, uh, one-to-one project. So we would have to, uh, you know, um, connect the the web shop and then uh, build up the the, uh, the ordering process and invoicing process, and everything would be a one one-on-one connection, one-to-one connection with our with our customers. And now since we have uh, business networks in place, once you are in that on that network and your customer is too, making the connection is is you know much more much more easy. So so this is for the technical part and the um the, the human part that you that you mentioned. Um this is uh um this is um, quite interesting because we have to uh yeah um, we have to do a couple of things. First of all, we have to uh, have intuitive processes in place that uh, don't need any training at all. So um, when we started off, we we, we really would, uh, we, you know, we would have user training sessions, uh, web sessions, or even on-site sessions to train users how to use the system. Now, um, the, the working world is much more uh, volatile, you know, much, uh, you know, People start a job and then you know move on to another job and, and another another company. You can't you can't just um, um, uh, you know uh, you can't put too much time and effort in it in train in training them to to a couple of things. It 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 needs to go, uh, it needs to work right away. It needs to be very intuitive. Uh, on the other hand, it needs to. Um, it needs to feature everything that they that they need, and then uh, and then go from there. Let me um, give you an example. Uh, back then, catalogs would be highly regulated, so procurement thought that they would have to review catalogs in order to know what to t- what to tell users, you know, to to buy what, what what they should buy. So they would even try to review our catalog, and this was quite funny because our catalog. Uh, Used to be five million items back then, and now is over fifty million items by three hundred thousand suppliers, three hundred thousand content uh, uh, providers. So this is uh, something you you can't just review. So um, so we especially told procurement to move from uh, control to transparency. Ladies and gentlemen, most probably you heard we had a slight break uh, in 
the line. Now we have you back, Alexander. I the last words which I heard was uh, that you asked procurement and that you worked together with procurement and that there was the discussion about transparency and control. So uh, I can imagine years ago it was more controlled and now it is giving much more transparency, right? Exactly. So, so the um, the paradigm shift really was from uh, checking all the catalogs beforehand and deciding for the user which items they should buy, uh, to providing them with a platform where they can find everything that they can think of, everything that they might uh, think they require, everything that they might require, and then see what orders come through. I mean, there's a budget in place anyhow, so uh, the company can't uh, run out of money, so that's safe. Uh, but uh, then you see the spend that is coming through. You see what items users really order, and then you get a transparency which procurement can actually act on. So that because there's no use in optimizing a, a five thousand uh, euro category or. Uh, or saving on a supplier, you know, uh, whom you do uh, five thousand euros with, uh, but rather you got to concentrate on the on, on the big spend, and uh, so you need the transparency to be in place in order to be able to define your policies or steer the users uh, in the in the right uh, direction. Um, also, um, procurement got more focused on providing the users with the right. Uh, content or with the right things that they need to do their job properly. Uh, in our category, for instance, information products, it doesn't really matter whether you spend a dollar or, or, or two or, or save a dollar or two on a certain product. Uh, the more interesting thing is, do the users get the right information products at the right time so that they can you know, develop your company's products, that so they can make the right decisions in the HR and legal departments uh, that uh, the that the board, the, the upper management is uh, is informed about uh, new and upcoming uh, trends and, and events. This is much more important than saving you know a couple of of, of euros on, on on buying a certain uh, you know a certain product, and and so the the shift was from highly controlling the users or from control in the first place to giving them everything uh, that, that they need because they are reasonable humans, reasonable professionals, and then uh, seeing what spend comes through and then getting the transparency and then acting from there on to um, you know, steer certain things that, that need steering. And this makes perfect sense, uh, Alexander, where we are in today with predictive analytics, with really analyzing buying patterns and, and then taking the right decisions, uh, what to do, which products to bring in, maybe what do we not offer, what do we really take out from the from the catalog. So that's really a big, big, big advantage and an amazing development which we made uh, through the, the last years and which brings this responsibility really to the end user and really to the, to the employee. And that's it. This is really the thing employees are asking for, this self-management. Exactly, exactly, and um, the um, and this was the, uh, the the change management that you that you that you talked about that the um, users need to uh, need to know and need to intuitively know uh, 
where to turn to internally to buy certain certain products, where, where to get you know certain certain a certain piece of, of information in, in, in our case, and this needs to be um, users need to be aware where to go, and um, and it needs to be it needs to be uh, simple, and it needs to be integrated with other uh, with other um, uh, systems uh, systems uh, as well, and then yeah, show everything to the users, and and then and then guide them. So um, coming back to the digital library that you mentioned, um, one thing um, we did with this was um, provide all the books uh, for free to everybody in the company for a five-minute period each 24 hours. Um, so everybody in the company could, could walk through this digital library and, um, and, and start reading books on, on certain subjects. And after five minutes, the system would determine whether uh, the book is already licensed for the company. And then the users could just continue reading because the book was there. No matter if somebody from the same country or another country has bought the book, the book was there. And um, if the book was not licensed yet, uh, the system would, would show a little pop-up. Um, you can now continue reading. Uh, but you know that the book will eventually have to be uh, will eventually have to be be bought. You know you, you need to um, you need to pay for it, but you you don't have to to interrupt uh, the process. And um, so um, users didn't care what to uh, whether they now need to. But users don't want to buy items, right? They want users don't want to do. Users don't want to use procurement systems. They are not there to buy things. They are there to do their job. Once they do their job, they come across a certain point where they need something, whether uh, in the plant it's a tool or a certain piece of equipment or in you know the world that we deal with, like scientific uh, people, researchers, uh, HR professionals, uh, legal professionals, and so on and so forth. Um, they come across a certain point where they need a certain piece of information. And then it's got to be right there. So we, we integrated the tools that they use to search for uh, certain pieces of information with the procurement tools as well, so that the users didn't need to decide, uh, do I now use something that's already there or do I, do I buy something new? They just started to research and, and read things. And then, you know, if need be, the paywall came about, now it's time to, to, to buy something. But out of the current workflow, they are in anyways. And um, and this proved to be quite uh, quite successful. Um, and we are still not at the end of of this journey. Uh, of course, uh, uh, I mean there's a couple of things of regulations to to keep in mind and a, a couple of company policies uh, to keep in mind. But we are constantly striving to make things easier. A, a funny fact with a, a tech company that we worked with. Uh, Users wouldn't uh, use ebooks uh, as much as we thought they would. So we analyzed the uh, procurement uh, process, and then we found out that electronic books took a, a six-day approval period. And then we said, "Well, it's no wonder that, that users don't don't use the system because there's no way of explaining to somebody that uh, digital content, which is uh, you know, which is available like this." 
the click of a button and can be downloaded at an instant and you can you know start reading it in a couple of seconds there is no no way you can explain to somebody that it needs a six day um, uh, approval workflow not including weekends so so this Absolutely. is this is a couple of Agreed. things that, that that we change and this is the change management you you you, you spoke about earlier yeah, and, and, and absolutely, and, and here, Alex, you, you hit the nail on the head, and it, it leads me really back to this Amazon shopping feeling. It is like it is, because there, when when you when you're not sure if you would like to buy a book, you have this uh, yeah, uh, excerpt out of the book where you can read and you can then make your decision. And, and this is really comparable with what you say when you say, hey, every 24 hours, five minutes, you can see. And we check if the book is already available or if we have to license it. And Alex, let us quickly have a look into, into the glass bowl. Would this be possible as well for other products? Maybe for for software or for things that you say, hey, in these couple of minutes, you can use maybe what you need and we check if it is already licensed or do you see this is possible for other products as well? I personally definitely do. Um, speaking of, um, you know, speaking of, of software, uh, Schweizer is a, well, I would say, a, a mid-sized um, company of about 600 people, uh, but we have a, a centralized IT department, um, and I know how strict they are in applying policies and whether uh, you know people can uh, use certain tools or, or can't use certain tools. And um, so I see how complicated this um, uh, this is because you got to weigh the let's say. Security interest of the, the um, of the company that everything is still working and that there's no uh, you know no um, security breaches and so on and so forth. And on the other hand, you got you got to have, you got your users who just want to do their jobs and use the apps that uh, that that they that they need. Uh, and um, you know this is a constant uh, a constant battle. But in essence, I think um, that this is where we are where we are going. We are providing users with a Platform, and we really got to widen the focus away from just procurement, from just buying things. They they have their own, and there are systems around that do this. The users have their own digital workspace. Let's uh, let's call it like this, and then they uh, they start to search for pieces of information, uh, which can be internal, which can be external. They search for applications, as you mentioned, uh, to use to do a certain a certain job, and. Uh, and they want to solve the problem right on the go, right where they are, you know, working. They don't want to say, "Oh, I came across a certain application that I uh, that might make my job easier." Um, uh, yeah, let's file a uh, let's file a letter for the approval workflow. Let's file a request internally, uh, which gets reviewed at the monthly review meetings. And bam, in half a year's time, I will have a decision. No. They want to have. Uh, they want to click on it and have a decision uh, and have a decision right now. Same case goes for suppliers. I think we moved away from uh, reducing suppliers to reducing processes. If you get the same process, if you get the same uh, uh, yeah, the same way of connecting a catalog and sending orders, receiving invoices, it doesn't really matter how many suppliers you have, as long as you have the same uh, the same process. So why not let a user decide uh, 
to uh, onboard a certain a certain supplier because uh, he, he he needs it. Procurement just can't manage to or just can't micromanage to review each and every little supplier, let alone uh, every single item that the user wants to buy. Just no use. And this is where we are. What we already talked about. It, the shift goes from control in the first place to transparency in the first place, and then you know control and steer afterwards. That that's really interesting, uh, Alex, because I know a lot of CPOs who focus on reducing the supplier portfolio down and down and down. Frankly speaking, I was one of them as well. Category managers are really working with a handful suppliers together, in, in the most cases, to, to catch the better price. But what you say in this area where you are acting, it is fairly true. It doesn't matter how many suppliers you have, but you need a solid network to manage this. And for me, it comes really over as Schweizer is a kind of network in a in a network. You combine the dots. You really bring these dots uh, together, and you focus on a on a solid, on a very resilient process. So then it doesn't matter how many suppliers you have to manage, because you focus on the process. Who is managing this? Exactly. The, we are a. Well, you could say we are a network or, or platform on, on our own. So uh, the, well, the, the the people that we work for or the companies that we work for, the, the people in those companies, they need to have certain information products to um, uh, to, to do their job right, to, to make the right decisions every day. They need to, to check certain standards. They need to check uh, certain news. They need to have uh, data feeds, uh, raw data for their software systems to, to feed, to, you know, analyze certain, you know, um, uh, trends and uh, things. Um, they, um, this reaches from, uh, from water levels for insurance companies, uh, if they want to insure houses, you know, whether they are in danger of being flooded and so on and so forth, to standards, how to build an airplane. So it's, it's, it's really, really a huge, uh, a huge category. And, um, and what we did is we brought them together on one platform and let the user use that platform to find those products. So this was step number one. And step number two, um, uh, as we discussed before, was uh, we also gave the user a tool where they could research the information. Because, again, the user doesn't sit there and, uh, and thinks, oh, what can I buy next? Or what should I buy today? What they think is, uh, I'm in the legal department, for instance. I need to make an important decision whether to go to court with a certain thing or not. I need to research uh, similar cases. And then they need to have the database, and this is what we provide to them, where they can enter uh, you know, certain search terms, and then the system comes up with what information is available. The things that they can already use and, and read because they are licensed by the company and other information that needs to be bought. But this is the user's focus. And the procurement process really comes second. Obviously, yes, if the user uses content that's not been licensed, that's not been paid for already, procurement process needs to kick in. They need to push through a basket, get it approved fast, hopefully, and um and then, uh, and then you know, we execute the order digitally, and then uh, it needs to be invoiced. This is quite important as well. But the the, the focus is on people doing their job, and 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 this is um, 
I think, a big shift in procurement revolving around supporting the users in getting their job done rather than telling them what items to buy. What what use is it if 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 procurement brings down brings down the price of a certain hammer by by half, cuts the cuts the spend, and the things break every time users use them and they don't get their products uh, finished. And I I personally, if I may add this, I I don't think I don't really believe in this split between uh, direct and indirect indirect material. Indirect sometimes is considered to be less important because direct, this is the important stuff. This is what goes in, into our products. And indirect is the things that don't go in our products. Well, I believe they do. Especially in you know in the category we are in, the things that they read, the things that they know, they directly go. What an engineer at an engineering company that we supply, what they read, what they consult, what information they research, this directly goes into, into uh, the product. And, 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 and um so so again it's about supporting uh, it's about supporting the users in doing their, doing their job right really well alex you you give me such uh, food for thought and now we could continue with discussing indirect and direct spend and how important the indirect spend is wow unfortunately we are at the end of our time today I find it super, super interesting. I would really love to say to you, hey, stay in the call, that we can continue discussing it. Unfortunately, I have to make a cut uh, here to have it available then in a very good digestible length for our listeners. And uh, I would like to thank you very, very, very much taking the time from, from, from me, for us today, for these amazing insights, really taking us with you on the journey from the big early beginnings in the in your 11 years uh, starting development till today managing for Schweizer a network in the network Alexander thanks a lot was super super interesting I look forward for one of the next episodes having together with you thank you so much Tamara was a pleasure thank you very much for listening We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to learn more about Alex, you can look him up on LinkedIn. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Beyond Sourcing podcast. You can also visit the link in the description box for more resources about some of the strategies discussed by our guests. And of course, please like, share and subscribe to our podcast. And always... Stay curious about what lies beyond sourcing.